It's time for News Talk 720 KDWN's Ask the Expert Hour. Have a question? Call now, 702-257-KDWN. That's 702-257-5396. Welcome to Ask the Experts. My name is Brian Black, and I'm talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. Good morning. Good morning, Brian. It's did good you, to be with you. I'm assuming you did not win the lottery over the weekend. I did not win, but I understand now that it's up over a billion dollars, and there will be... Others that will tra- attempt. Uh, yeah, I saw some pictures of the line. I, I think a lot of people's retirement plan includes the lottery somehow. Uh, I- <laughs> Mine did. <laughs> so, unfortunately, since we didn't win the lottery, we're going to have to talk a little bit more about how to how to plan with our own assets. Um, as we usually do on, on Ask the Experts every Monday here with Brian A. Lowe and Associates. And this morning, uh, we wanted to talk a little bit about life insurance okay. and the role that it might play in an estate planning situation. Sure. So we've touched on this just a little bit in the past um, about how, how life insurance can be included, but we wanted to go into it in a little more depth. Um, it, and let's make it clear. First of all, you do not sell life insurance in any way, correct? That is correct. And you're not you're not specifically telling people to go anywhere in specific to buy life insurance. That is correct. So what what we're talking about is the general principle of life insurance and whether it's a good idea. Uh, and if it is a good idea, then how to do it the right way. Let's discuss it. So you know, let, let's just just. What should you do? What's what's the if in in general terms? What is the, what is the best way to start including life insurance in your estate plan? Well, I look at my own life, and uh, when I first got married, I didn't have much money. Uh, my wife and I were in college. We had great uh, goals and plans for what we wanted to do in life, mm-hmm. and. I wanted to make sure that I was going to be able to fulfill some of those goals for my wife. And so the first thing I did, the first estate planning thing that I did in my life was buying some life insurance. And life insurance, uh, you know, you can buy less expensive life insurance, you can buy more expensive life insurance, but I felt that I had to have some life insurance as a basis to create an estate that would take care of my wife in the event I did not come back to our apartment that night. Right. Okay. All right. And so what did you buy? I bought some some term insurance. Okay. Mm-hmm. And what does that mean? What is term insurance? Term insurance is where you, uh, the insurance company figures out uh, the mortality of, of people, what the uh, probability is, is that you're going to live and and so there's an actuarial uh, uh, probability that you're going to die. And so for each $1,000 of life insurance that they sell to you, mm-hmm. they come up with a, the probability that they're going to have to pay out $1,000. And so that may be $1.25. Right. And so that becomes the value of the insurance or the cost of the insurance that year. Mm-hmm. The next year, you're a year older. So what's the probability you're going to die this year? And so over time with term insurance, the cost of the insurance increases right. each year. Because you're more likely to die. Because the probability is that you're going to die. And so what does the word term mean? Uh, is that, does that mean that it's uh, a limited policy that expires after a certain amount of time? Or? Yes. When you buy term insurance, it's generally for one year, mm-hmm. for one year term, 
or you can buy a uh, life insurance policy, term insurance, but for a certain period of time, for instance, a five-year level right. premium term mm-hmm. or 10-year, 20-year, 25-year. Right. So you can buy term insurance where they keep the, the cost is very low, but you're not going to get an increase in cash value as mm-hmm. you hold that policy. So the the cost is relatively low. And I would imagine, though, that uh, a 30-year term life insurance is more expensive than a one-year term because the odds are greater that you're going to die within 30 years than one year, correct? Yes, but with you, if you have uh, an annual renewable term, mm-hmm. that means that your premium is going to increase each year. Gotcha. And if you buy 30-year level term, then they come up with what the probability is that you're going to die within that 30-year period and will level that premium out. How old were you when you got married? I was 25. 25. So you're a very level-headed 25-year-old. When I was 25 years old, I don't think I don't really remember that year. Honestly, I, I that was I was so irresponsible. I have no idea. I was not planning for the future whatsoever. So, as a responsible young married man, you decided to buy t- uh, term life insurance. Was that the right thing to do at that time? Yes, I I worked uh, to pay myself my tuition and my wife's tuition in college, and so we didn't have very much money. Mm-hmm. And with level term insurance, uh, I was buying annual renewable at that time because it was the least expensive. Mm -hmm. And I was able to buy enough that if I died during the first couple of years of our marriage, that my wife would have sufficient funds to get restarted with a, a new life. And have you been continuously doing that since then? I have, yes. You still do the term life insurance and you with the increasing rate each year? Well, I uh, fortunately have had some success in my life mm-hmm. so that I have an estate. And so my need for life insurance has changed. Okay. And everybody's need for, for life insurance changes each year. For instance, if you uh, have children... You may need a little more because you need to make sure that your children are going to have sufficient funds to get through those years until they can get out on their own. Right. And so I went through a period of time when uh, it was just my wife and I. Then we started having children. I had five children. And so the amount of insurance increased. Right. And then all my children grew up. They all graduated from college and went into professions or whatever. And and um, so our need for insurance is not as great. Okay. Now, so my need for insurance at that time was to make sure that my family was going to be taken care of. And if I wasn't there, the funds would be there to take care of them. Okay. My need right now is not to... to to take care of my family or from my wife because we have sufficient assets and investments where we don't need that insurance any longer. So my term insurance over the period of time has now lapsed, and so I do not have insurance now. Okay. So... Do you, excuse me, um, so when, you, when you're buying this term insurance and you want to take care of your family, is there some kind of formula that you need to follow or is it really based on how much you can afford? Uh, both. 
Okay. Well, we, when we return to ask the experts, uh, we'll go a little bit more into detail about how you should plan your insurance, what you should buy, and why you should buy it. If you have a question for Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates, give us a call at 702-257-5396. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. Welcome back. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. And today we're talking about life insurance. And to make it clear, just in case you've tuned in, Brian, Brian A. Lowe & Associates, you do not sell life insurance. No, we do not. And uh, we, we're, not, we're not specifically uh, referring anybody to any specific life insurance provider. We're just talking about the benefits of life insurance when it comes to your estate planning, which is your business. It is. So we've talked about, you know, the, the general uh, idea of term life insurance and... Uh, uh, you know, how as a young married man, Brian A. Lowe bought term life insurance because he needed it. But as things have changed over time, he has developed enough assets that he does, his needs have changed. And uh, w- w- let's talk about a little bit more about uh, the idea of taking care of your family, which is is how we expressed it when we talked about what somebody might need life insurance for. What's what's what are some things that might that that might include? I mean, we're talking about college for your kids, I guess. Uh, just paying the bills. Uh, what about debts? Debts. Oftentimes people will go into the debt for a, a house so they'll have a nice place uh, for their family to live. But without their income, if they were to pass away or disability because they, they can't work any longer, there will be some need for funds to take care of, of the, the debt on the house or the debt for opening up the business or debt for the acquisitions that you've made. So by having life insurance, you have the liquidity to pay that off when Mm -hmm. you die. And so your family doesn't uh, uh, get foreclosed out. I see. That's uh, that's very interesting to me. What um, uh, other debts? Uh, Now, I I know that you're not necessarily your heirs are not necessarily responsible for all your debts when you die. We've talked about that before. Correct. Um, so is is there a necessity there to, to? I mean, other than than just wanting to honorably pay off all your debts, is there a necessity to provide for your wife, for instance, to pay off your debts when with the life insurance? Well, what you're doing is you're protecting your assets, mm-hmm. and part of the estate planning is to protect those assets. Uh, after you die and make sure that they're passed on to the next generation or to your spouse or to whomever. But uh, oftentimes you need to go into debt for business reasons. Mm -hmm. And when you borrow money, let's say, to start a business and the bank uh, is concerned because they're insufficient security, they may require you to have some life insurance okay. to make sure that if you die and can't pay it back, that they're going to be able to get repaid. And so the life insurance can uh, uh, make it so that you can obtain debt. And also a lot of times in business, especially small business, you you or you and one partner could be so essential to the business that it can't go on without you. And that's a good uh, good reason, too. You're, you're in a business, you may have employees that are key employees, and you really can't afford to lose that key employee. One, uh, one person may be making all the decisions. He may be the rainmaker for the, for the company and bringing in, in uh, clients. Um, they may, he may be just a super manager. Mm-hmm. And if you were to lose that individual, 
that would really be a detriment and maybe even the death knell for your business. So oftentimes they will buy, you know, businessmen will buy key man insurance to ensure that if a key person in their business is not uh, uh, there the next day, that there will be sufficient funds to get the business through that period of time when they can replace him. Now, is there any reason to buy anything other than I've, I've heard of other types of insurance and I once again, I'll tell you, I'm, it's a mystery to me other than just the insurance I get through my work. So we've got term insurance. What, what are the other types of insurance and, and why would you need those as opposed to term insurance? Well, with, uh, they have whole life insurance. That's another very old type of, of insurance. And what you're doing there is they look at your, uh, life expectancy. Mm-hmm. They look at what the cost of of having to pay out, the probability of paying out over the, these years of time. And so what they will do is they will charge a little higher premium. Mm-hmm. And what they're doing is they're developing a cash value in that policy so that each year your cash value is going up as the amount of term insurance that is needed to pay pay it off mm-hmm. is going down. So you balance that out. It's a level premium generally, and it's whole life, and and there's a cash value. And oftentimes, with that cash value, you can borrow against it if things turn out bad, and mm-hmm. you can borrow against it and still have your insurance. So, uh, just so that I understand the the process with the whole life insurance, the the payout goes down over time, or it goes up no, over time. No, the uh, the value, the investment value of the policy gotcha. is going up. And at the same time, the uh, death value is going down. So it stays level. Oh, okay. And gotcha. sometimes it, they have uh, uh, mutual companies that pay the dividends on the profit of a company to the shareholders and they will give you a dividend. So with that dividend, you can buy additional insurance or or keep it in your cash value and you can do a lot with the financing on a, on a whole life policy. You know, it's interesting. People call this the information generation or the data generation uh, all the time. There is no one who has more data and knows how to use it more than the insurance industry from what I've read. They, they've been collecting data about life expectancy and 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 just all the the infinite variables about people for how many years a hundred years oh longer than a hundred years and it's uh, uh, these insurance companies are are uh, very smart they know what their costs are because of the numbers of people that die mm-hmm. they know uh, what the cost of of uh, administering that money is they invest those funds uh, uh, conservatively, but they invest it in such a way that it w- is guaranteed that when a person dies, there's going to be money there right. to pay that death benefit. And yeah, they're the ultimate odds makers. Uh, they you know they could probably tell you within 30 days when it's going to happen. So <laughs> well, they're they're looking at numbers, right? And you know, one good thing about the life insurance companies is they receive a premium. They take those premium dollars, they invest it, so that there will be the funds there down the line. They're, mm-hmm. they're not just hoping on collecting a tax from the people to try to pay off some obligation. Right. They invest their money, and and with those investments, it really uh, improves our our economy because it's that money is being reinvested back into 
the the economy and helps the the country out. So it sounds like uh, the, you believe that, that these uh, insurance companies, when it comes to life insurance, that there's no danger that you're going to invest in a life insurance policy over the course of your life and then it won't get paid. Well, I or there's little. I danger. feel com- uh, comfortable that way because there are life insurance companies that have gone under. Right. But the life insurance companies generally, as a life insurance community, mm-hmm. have traditionally stepped in with a failing life insurance company, taken those, those uh, um, contracts mm-hmm. and put them into their company and will run them with, with okay. that. So I haven't uh, run across anyone in my 30-plus uh, years of practice where a life insurance uh, death benefit has not been paid as you know, as it read in the in the contract. So we've got term life insurance. We've got whole life life insurance. Is there any other life insurance that's available to someone as an individual? Well, there for a while, oftentimes uh, um, investment people would say, well, life insurance is such a poor investment. Well, if you're looking at term insurance, there's no investment there. What you're doing is you're guaranteeing that there's going to be money there. Right. And so they said don't buy life insurance, put it into mutual funds or put it into some kind of securities. And if you knew that if you had the crystal ball and you knew that you were going to live for, for a hundred years and you were not going to die, there would probably be no reason to put it into life insurance, but you don't have that crystal ball that can give you that information. So, uh, some people uh, started saying, well, why don't you buy term insurance? And with the difference between the term and the whole life, why don't you invest that in mutual funds or something like this? Okay. Well, the time came when insurance companies decided, well, maybe we should have that internally. Mm -hmm. And so they started selling what's known as universal life insurance, where there was a term part of the the policy and there was an investment part of the policy. Mm -hmm. And so they, it would look more like a whole life policy as long as the interest rates that they thought they were going to earn would be there. But when interest rates started falling off, then the insurance companies had to go back to their uh, policyholders and say, hey, if you want to keep that same amount of insurance, you're going to have to pay a little more premium. Wow. So um, as of today, right now, um, what's... Well, I mean, I guess every every case is different. So when somebody comes in to, to talk to you uh, for their free appointment um, with Brian A. Lowe and Associates, and, and they want to talk to you about their estate plan to their initial appointment, um, and you talk about life insurance, what are the kind of questions that you ask them? Well, we generally like to find out if uh, uh, what, what all their assets are, because mm-hmm. if they have a lot of assets and they it's all liquid, then we will <clears throat> say, well, you're doing okay. Your need for life insurance may not be as great, but if, they're, if their estate has grown to a point where they're going to have to pay taxes upon their demise mm-hmm. or they're, the, those assets are not liquid and when they die, they're going to have a lot of administrative expenses, et cetera, then we will find that out in the interview uh, suggest that they have sufficient insurance to take care of the administration or to take care of the estate tax 
because of the size of their estate. Now, how big does an estate need to be before you start worrying about estate tax? For an individual, there is an exemption of just over 5400000 Okay. Between a husband and wife, you have two exemptions. That would be 10800000 And with a, a recent program called Portability, the if a, if one spouse does not use their exemption then their their spouse can use their exemption so uh, the surviving spouse may have an exemption of ten million eight hundred thousand dollars wow okay if you have a question for brian a low about using life insurance in your estate plan give us a call at 702-257-5396 we'll be right back on ask the experts now back to ask the experts on news talk 720 KDWN. Welcome back. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe, Brian A. Lowe and Associates. And uh, this morning, we're talking about using life insurance as part of your estate plan. Of course, Brian A. Lowe and Associates does not sell life insurance, uh, but uh, you are recommending it as part of an estate plan, correct? It can be an integral part of an estate plan, yes. So when you purchase life insurance, I had a question for you from a personal level. So uh, I, I I purchase life insurance through my work, um, but I could be fired at any time. You know, you know, you know, it could happen. You know, or something could happen. The company could go under. Whatever happens, um, is it a better idea to buy your own life insurance or to purchase it through your employer while you can? Well, your employer insurance, a, a good portion of the employer provided insurance, is paid for by the employer, mm-hmm. and that is, of course, is because employers seeing the need for an employee who's uh, the family of the uh, employee, uh, the deceased employee, needing some liquidity. And so they provide a little bit of life insurance. Generally, it's not sufficient to take care of all of a person's life insurance needs. So it's always good to, uh, uh, to get a hold of a good qualified life insurance uh, uh, person and... Uh, just review what the needs are, and they can give some assistance as to what you need. Okay. So um, when we're talking about uh, purchasing life insurance for certain needs, we've talked about the, the need to take care of uh, just bills and, and debts uh, for your family. Um, what about taxes? How does, that, how, do the, how, do, how does that work? Do When you leave somebody life insurance, are they taxed on it? <clears throat> well, the person, the beneficiary is not taxed. Now, there's a couple of little nuances in the law that could create a, a tax, but as long as you are acquiring it and you're making a person a beneficiary and mm-hmm. they're not acquiring it from you, right? Uh, the insurance proceeds is not income taxable. Okay. So it comes to the beneficiaries without any income tax. However, the amount of life insurance that you have is included in your in the decedent's estate. Okay. So when we're looking at that 5.4 million mm-hmm. in assets, let's say a person has five million dollars in assets, right? But he has two million dollars worth of life insurance. Well, now he has an estate of five million plus two million mm-hmm. is seven million. So he's in a, a taxable estate. Okay, and he goes over that exemption. And he level. goes over the exemption. So oftentimes, when a person Uh, is acquiring life insurance that brings their overall estate up above a certain level, we will generally recommend that rather than buying it as an individual, the the 
the insured buying it as an individual mm-hmm. that he set up what's known as an irrevocable life insurance trust and just make contributions to an irrevocable life insurance trust. And then the proceeds, when they come in, is not part of the estate of the decedent. Mm-hmm. And therefore, it comes in estate tax-free. And so what we're talking about here is that when, when you die and your estate is worth more than $5.4 million, then your estate will have to pay taxes because you've gone over that level. Yes. Or if you're married, as I say, if you don't use your entire exemption on the first death, then mm-hmm. the, the uh, um, surviving spouse, your exemption is portable to the surviving spouse. So now we're talking... approximately. Now, is there any purpose in establishing an irrevocable uh, insurance trust as an individual who has an estate that's less than that? Like uh, somebody, what would be the purpose of that? Well, oftentimes uh, your spouse may be a spendthrift. Mm -hmm. Your children may be have a few drug problems or have some special needs. They they have some disabilities mm-hmm. that need to be taken care of. Or they're concerned that maybe their children are going to get married and they're going to see a, this huge amount of life insurance funds there. They Their spouse may want a piece of that. And right. so the, in a divorce, half of that money is taken away from them. So what they'll do is they will put that life insurance into a life insurance trust and then spell out in that life insurance trust how the beneficiaries are to receive it. And so even when you're dead, you still can control the proceeds of that life insurance policy. Okay. So you could you could put in there that, that my, my daughter receives this money, but it is not to go to the husband. Sure. You could put in there that, uh, you know, my my son can receive it, but he can only receive a certain amount and it can only be used for certain things like education or something like sure. that. Sure. And, you know, some people will buy life insurance and put it into a trust like that just to make sure that those things that are important to the to the decedent uh, that he wants his children to to do. Mm hmm. Good things, right? You know, not the bad things, right? If you just give them money out outright, then they can go about doing anything they want, right? But uh, you know, maybe marriage, maybe um, getting uh, a good education, um, maybe. I mean, there, there are lots of things. Sure, you uh, can use it to start a business, but you sure. can't use it to buy a boat, right? Things like that. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a, it's a way of maintaining control of exactly as you would. If you were alive, sure, and uh, you're giving things for specific reasons. Uh, now, is is the the trust an ongoing expense, or is it just something you set up once and then only um, only have to modify when you want to? Well, generally, with a, an irrevocable life insurance trust, it, it's irrevocable, so mm-hmm. you can't change it. Now, are there expenses on an annual basis? Well, there's no investment really. Mm-hmm. All there is is a contribution to the trust and the trustee paying a premium right. for the uh, the insurance. And so there's not a lot of administration that goes on. The only okay. thing that really needs to be done if your estate is getting up to 5.4 or 10.8 as the, as the case may be, uh, to send out uh, letters to the beneficiaries. There's a thing called crummy letters. And uh, uh, that doesn't sound good. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, it's a good thing. Oh, okay. Because uh, you, the estate tax is, is a unified tax between gift and estate. Mm-hmm. So if you give away 
uh, 5.4 million and you still have a couple of million after you die, they add the amount that you gave away to the amount that you have when you die, mm -hmm. and that becomes your taxable estate. Okay. So what you do is you try to keep down the um, taxable gifts. Now, each year a person can give away $14,000 tax estate or gift tax free, mm -hmm. right? which there's not going to be any tax on it at all. So if you send out a letter to the beneficiary saying there has been a, 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 a contribution to this trust and you uh, are the a beneficiary of the trust, you have the right to pull out up to 14000 that amount. And if you don't do it within 30 days, then it's going to go to buy per purchase life insurance, which mm -hmm. you will be the beneficiary of. Okay. So... Uh, that's called a crummy letter, and the reason you do that is that you cannot make a gift into trust and have it be a present interest gift, which it becomes a non-taxable gift. You have to give the person a present interest, and by giving them this 30-day notice that they have the right to pull it out makes it a present interest gift. So there's these crummy letters. Uh, crummy was a was a person who did this originally. Right. And it went up to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals because the IRS didn't like this idea. And the Ninth Circuit said, yes, this is fine uh, huh. because they had uh, the right to pull it out. So that was a present interest gift. So we generally recommend sending a crummy letter out uh, to beneficiaries each year. But besides that, that's just about the only administration you've got until uh, the person dies. And then you have every, uh, the liquidity, the money flows in, it starts immediately. You don't have to wait until the administration of the estate is complete or uh, administering uh, those funds uh, tax wise, et cetera. It, just starts out and you've got the liquidity to do what you want to do. You know, listening to you speak about this, you sound very knowledgeable, but this is a complex subject. This is something that uh, I, I believe that confuses a lot of people. And um, I, I, honestly, I think that you need to talk to somebody. Obviously, when it comes to life insurance, we're recommending that you talk to a life insurance professional. Yes. Um, but if you're asking to include it in your estate plan, which it sounds like it needs to be a part of your estate plan, or at least you need to determine whether it needs to be part of your estate plan, then that's something that they would talk to you about. Yes. And when when people come in and we see a need for life insurance, we will generally recommend that they go out and bring their life insurance uh, agent with them and so that we can work out what the best product is. A life insurance person is there to talk about product and how to finance it and, and be part of the team in, in putting the insurance into the estate. The attorney is the one who knows the laws, et cetera, et cetera, has gone to school, uh, keeps up uh, with continuing education, et cetera, to know how to plan an estate. Now, have you found that you've been doing this for 30 years? Have you found that it's easy to work with the life insurance professionals? Yes. I, I generally find it uh, a good thing to work with the life insurance professionals. I, 
I have enjoyed working with them, yes. So if you, if you're listening to this show right now, are interested in, in, in planning your estate, you can set up a free consultation with Brian A. Lowe and Associates. The number to call is 702-259-0002. You can come in and talk to them about your estate and how you'd like to plan it. If you have a question right now for Brian A. Lowe, give us a call at 702-257-5396. We'll be right back on Ask the Experts. Now back to Ask the Experts on News Talk 720, KDWN. Welcome back. We're talking to Brian A. Lowe of Brian A. Lowe & Associates. We're talking life insurance as part of your estate planning today. If you have a question for Mr. Lowe, give us a call at 702-257-5396. Now, we've talked about uh, when an individual is planning their estate. They call Brian A. Lowe & Associates, 702-259-0002. They set up the free consultation. They come in. They uh, talk to you, just have a, a brief conversation about exactly what they need. And it comes up that they, it seems like it's a good idea to purchase some life insurance. Now that person needs to choose a life insurance professional. And as we've said, uh, Brian A. Lowe & Associates does not sell life insurance. You're not recommending any specific life insurance company, but how does a person choose the right life insurance professional to help them? Just like in any profession, uh, people gain reputations. Mm -hmm. And so you want to look for someone who has a good reputation uh, of being in the life insurance business. Some people say that they sell life insurance, but they also sell a dozen other products. Right. And I generally like to, when I'm talking life insurance, to talk with a an expert in life insurance because they know what they're doing and can look for the best product for you and not just buy an, an off-the-shelf life insurance policy. So, uh, what about a financial planner? Is that? Is I mean, obviously, that's a that's a good idea in certain circumstances. But you're advising against somebody who might have another product to sell you as like maybe a competing product. Well, yes, and oftentimes uh, financial planners were uh, are there, and a good portion of them. Um, are well qualified and so you want to find someone that has a good reputation in the insurance business so there are lots of life insurance companies mm -hmm. and so every product is just a little different in each company okay and some companies have great products and other companies may not have as good of products and so you really want to look, one, for a good life insurance company, and two, for a, for a good agent. So is that something that uh, in the free consultation that you'd be able to help them with by giving them some, some guidelines, some rules, or some, maybe some people that you've worked with in the past? Or is that something you stay away from when you're doing your consultation? Well, we generally don't like to uh, suggest one insurance person, mm -hmm. but... If, if a person really doesn't know who they want to work with or what insurance companies, we will generally give them three, four uh, different names that they can contact. Okay. Um, so, you know, we're, we're interested in them getting someone that really knows the life insurance business if they need life insurance. So we've determined that the person may need life insurance, and uh, there's several reasons why. We talked to, just barely a little bit earlier in the show about special needs. 
Um, can you tell me uh, how you might set up uh, a program for somebody that has special needs, like medical needs, like okay. a child? Okay, like a child. You, uh, you and your spouse have just had a child. Uh, it is determined that there was a brain defect and they're going to uh, never get past the level of a three-year-old. Okay. And so you think, well, what am I going to do? You love that child when you come home, even though they may be 15 years old, they're mm -hmm. like a three-year-old child mm -hmm. and you feel some obligation and you definitely love them to death. Right. What do you do? You're not immortal and there's going to come a time when you and your spouse are going to die. Mm -hmm. And so oftentimes people will put together a, a special needs trust um, and provide the, and fund that with some life insurance. Okay. And they pay a little premium each month or they pay a little annual premium each year or however they're going to fund it. And the this trust is the beneficiary. So at the end of the day, when, when the person dies, then the funds are there to continue to give assistance to this child that you brought into the world. Now, of course, there's government assistance for stuff like that, but I would imagine that's minimal. There is governmental assistance, but uh, you've got to understand what our debt level is. We're up to our, our necks in debt right now. Mm -hmm. We're almost drowning. There's going to be more and more pressure to reduce the amount of, of benefits that are provided. And so over time, we just don't know if there's going to if they're going to be able to sustain large amounts of, of benefit programs. So it's best to have something that you've established, for instance, a supplemental needs trust funded possibly by a life insurance policy mm -hmm. to provide for this child for their lifetime. And then at the end of the day, when the child dies, then there can be other beneficiaries of that life or the uh, life insurance trust or the special needs trust so that it would go to uh, your other children or to charities or whatever you want to do. Now, that raises an interesting point as well. Um, you know, an obvious choice, if you have a special needs uh, person in the family that needs to be taken care of after your death, obvious choice that you have to do that. But who do you choose as beneficiaries? Is there, are there, are there, I mean, obviously you want to take care of everyone if you can, but is there, is there somebody that you should choose? Well, if you want it to go specifically to your spouse, you'd choose your spouse. Mm -hmm. If you have your children and you want them to get those, those proceeds when you die, you choose your children. Um, if you want to make sure that your will is being taken care of, even during the lifetime of your children while you're gone, then you would make a trust the beneficiary of it. Mm -hmm. But uh, choosing a beneficiary is important, and if your beneficiary dies, you've got to understand that you need to find another beneficiary. Right. And because if you don't, then those proceeds are going to be part of your probate estate mm -hmm. and will have to go through the probate administration. So a lot of people, of course, just like me, the, your beneficiary is your wife. Or your husband. Yes. And, of course, your husband or wife is usually of similar age and possibly similar health. And so it's likely that they that they are going to die at about the same time you are, whether it's before or after. So do you put in a backup beneficiary? Or what do you do? 
Yes, you put in contingent beneficiaries, and your life insurance person will make sure that the primary beneficiary is named and the contingent beneficiaries. But even though you have a beautiful wife mm-hmm. and you want to do everything that's right for her, uh, there's always this idea that if she gets a lump sum, mm-hmm. <laughs> she may uh, be a target for other people that'll come in and try to manipulate her or marry her for her money, right. take the money and leave. And we see this periodically. So oftentimes it's good to have a life insurance trust. Right. So that you can you can say, well, of course I want to take care of my wife, but it can't be used for these purposes That's after right. my death. It can't be it can't, it can't be, be used for a new spouse. Right. <laughs> So let's just make this clear right now. <laughs> you can have all this money, but let's not let's not get crazy. But we can do anything that you can think of with a trust. Right. Anything that you can do while you're alive, you can do with a trust. That's right. So uh, when you're when you're talking about these, uh, let me ask you this: Is it better to buy one policy with multiple beneficiaries, or is it better to buy multiple policies to pay out to individuals, or does it not make a difference? It makes a little difference because as the amount that you acquire goes up. Mm -hmm. Uh, There are some, uh, there are lower costs to run one policy than to run 10 different policies. Okay. So there, it's probably a little cheaper to, uh, to buy one large policy with multiple beneficiaries or uh, a large policy with a trust being the beneficiary and then you spelling out how you want that distributed upon your demise. So uh, what we've established today on the show is that life insurance can be a very, very important part of your estate plan. And if you're listening to the show right now, it's a free consultation to talk to Brian A. Lowen Associates. He's not going to sell you life insurance. He's an attorney. He is not there to talk you into the fact... He's there to determine whether you do need it or you don't need it as part of your estate plan. And once again, this is a free consultation, correct? That is correct. Give Brian A. Lowe and Associates a call at 702-259-0002 if you are planning your estate or thinking about planning your estate. We'll be talking next week at 9 a.m. Monday morning with Brian A. Lowe and Associates right here on KDWN AM 720 on Ask the Experts.